We talk a lot about services on this show, but we often think about productizing those services. So what can we learn from those in product management? Jessica Nelson Cole is the co-founder and president at The Product Consult, a boutique consulting group that helps companies optimize their digital product development teams, build better products, and accelerate revenue growth. The Product Consult team has worked with cross-industry startups and Fortune 500 companies, including Epic Games and Nike, where Jessica built the first-ever digital gift card platform for Nike.com. She has 18-plus years of experience in digital product development with expertise in revenue growth, product optimization, product strategy, and team development. Let's get some insights into how product management works on this bonus episode of the business of tech. With as many breaches and security concerns as I report in this show, it should be obvious that cybersecurity is not just about technology, but also the human expertise needed to interpret and respond to complex threats. Huntress is focused on elevating SMBs and MSPs around the world. Huntress has a suite of fully managed cybersecurity solutions powered by a 24 by seven human led SOC dedicated to continuous monitoring, expert investigation, and rapid response. And the proof is the execution. Huntress is the number one rated EDR for SMBs on G2. Want to know more about the platform? Visit Huntress.com slash MSP Radio to learn more. Well, Jessica, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I'm really curious to get some thinking about the way you think about product management. Like you've been doing this for a while, you've been advising for a while. Help me give a bit of a framework of the way you think about product management. So I think of product management basically as the glue, the overarching glue that holds together a whole bunch of different elements of a business, a technology business or a technology enabled business. So, you know, we are part planners, part discoverers, part strategists, part technologists, um, we do everything from ideate on new things that the product itself could could do, uh, all the way to talking to users, working with engineers, managing stakeholder communications, and then, you know, obviously observing products and how they perform in the market. So metrics, data, APIs. And it's everything involved all along the way in that process. So there's a ton of different skills and nuances and relationship building and all sorts of things that go into it. But uh, that's kind of the, the long and short, the high level, at least. Gotcha. So help me understand a little bit. You've talked about a process. I'm sure you've got a kind of a methodology that, that you use to do product management. Kind of walk me through at a high level, like the basic steps of good product management. Well, it definitely starts with a company strategy that can translate down into a product strategy. So, you know, depending on what the company objectives are, it's important everybody is aligned on those and understands them so that the product strategy and the things that a product roadmap contains can reflect and, you know, aim towards those objectives. So that's the first key piece to all of it. The second is then you know, having a roadmap that represents things that your users want, that your users need, and not just what the business wants to do or what's going to make you money. It has to be kind of a blend of the two. Businesses obviously have to operate and make money, but you can't, you know, ignore the most important part, which is the end customer. 
um, then, you know, doing a set of planning and discovery on whatever that work is. So understanding why we want to do it, what the ROI could be, what are the manifestations of this initiative and, and how that might work. And then going into all the details and involving all of the right people cross-functionally throughout that process. So, you know, making sure engineering is involved in the solutions early on, making sure that you're gathering details from stakeholders who may have more information than you do about, you know, their certain business area. And then, you know, keeping everyone informed along the way, taking it through. I mean, typically we're a scrum agile um, you know, process or some version of that agile-ish, I often call it because I've never quite seen it done the same at two different organizations. Um, and then, you know, releasing things in as small chunks as possible, testing, getting data, and then, you know, continuing. So I think it's a very iterative process and it looks a little different everywhere, but those are some of the bones that, that make it, that make the foundation. Now, I wanted to baseline that because that basic process we probably are familiar with. And where I wanted to get into this is obviously we're talking to a lot of services organizations. Now, you can productize services. Mm-hmm. And what I was really kind of interested to think about now that we've kind of baselined is, is how much of that kind of methodology is straight up adaptable right away for services orgs and how much is there variations in that? I think there's always variations of it, whether it's services or physical products or digital products, right? So it depends a little bit on the service and, you know, who you're providing it for and what that customer profile looks like and therefore what they're going to need. How in depth that process is probably depends on the answers to some of those early questions. So I think it's all about, you know, product, I believe is all about tailoring the right elements to the environment that you're in or the problem that you're there to solve. And so, you know, you would just kind of assess the different elements that you're dealing with in that services organization and figure out kind of where the need is and where the process is breaking down or where it's lacking and then, you know, address those things accordingly. Product for me is never a one size fits all thing. It's always more about reading the room and applying the right elements to that situation that are going to get the outcomes that you want. Now, interestingly, I, I would think that there's also some process for decommissioning products, like retiring products, taking them out of service. Talk to me a little bit about how that works and how it's different than launching. Oh, it's hard. Um, you know, on the one hand, you're going to have the people element to deal with, which is people that have been involved in the legacy of building that thing and they're attached to it in some way. So there's always going to be sort of a, a human element to you know, making the case that you should deprecate something or remove it or get rid of it. So there's that piece. But then you have the technical aspect. It could be interwoven into, you know, a 10-year code base, and there could be tech debt woven all around that. So deprecating just part of it um, is not always super straightforward and often involves, you know, looking at everything that it's touching or anything that's using it or anything that is, you know, integrated in the code or, you know, wherever those tie-ins may be um, and making sure you have a plan for not breaking anything along the way. You also then want to make sure you're, you are deprecating the right thing. So is it truly not being used? Is there, you know, value in removing it versus leaving it there? Um, Is, is there, you know, any harm that it's doing? So you have to just kind of look, I think, also at why are we considering deprecating something and make sure that you're you're deprecating the right thing for the right reason. So there's a few areas where it can be pretty complicated. Um, launching product 
whole, whole different ballgame. Well, the reason I wanted to ask about about the process of taking them away too is particularly as again we're thinking about some services organizations who try desperately to productize their stuff but you have to retire aging services that no longer make sense and i wanted to get some insights into the way that thinks what are some of the big signs that you look for in an organization that shows that they have not done a particularly great job of thinking about the product process Good question. Um, well, I think if there's consistently certain areas that are not where you're not moving the needle and you're just, you know, kind of butting your head against the wall, despite all your best efforts, you got to look at things in a different way. So, you know, whether it's a, a product that you're considering deprecating and you're like, it's just not, we're just not getting the business results that we want. Okay. But why is that? Are we looking at the right source of the issue? Um, so I think, you know, prof people all often look to solve issues with process and minimize the human element that often is in play. There's only so much that process tweaks can fix if you aren't really getting to the root of what's going on. So, um, you know, you think you have a, an innovation issue and you want to put more creative, you know, thinking up front. But in reality, people have lots of innovative ideas. They just don't feel empowered to get them on the roadmap because the roadmap's being built elsewhere, for example. So there's process and then there's everything else. And they kind of are always, you know, need to play together. Now, how are you adapting that for different types of teams? I would think that there's different processes for big teams, small teams, for uh, service teams, product teams, like kind of what are the dimensions you look for and how do you customize it for different teams? Yeah, great question. I'm glad you used the word customize because that's exactly what I believe is the secret sauce, right? I was saying earlier, it's just not a one size fits all. Product process probably looks really different at Meta and at, you know, this pre-product market fit startup over here that has eight people. You know, I mean, there's very, very different levels of work happening and, and structure required for that work. So I think it's all about assessing the environment that you're in, um, how things are working, what's not working, um, and, you know, kind of looking at what the objectives are that that company or that team is trying to achieve, and then really right sizing what you're putting in place, you know, for that situation, that their stage, their size, their product type, um, the team that they have, you know, all those things are part of it. So you never want to just have process to have process. You want to have the right level of process to, to get work done efficiently and get the outcomes that you're going after. Are there certain techniques, styles that, that you look at, say, that are kind of classic for a reason? Or is it is because when I look at the space, it sometimes feels like there's a little bit of fashion to it, right? Agile feels like it's a real thing, but it, for a while it felt like it might be just fashionable. Like, help me understand like the difference between what's a bit of a fad and what are classic things you can latch on to. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the reason I say agile-ish, right, is because I do think that that's uh, core to a lot of the ways that, that teams do product, but it often varies, right? It often has variations to it that aren't your traditional classic agile They've adopted some version of that, but I do think that that is core to the way that a lot of, you know, more modern product teams work. Um, you know, we talk a lot about product led growth and empowered product teams. Um, and while I don't think those things are like trendy fashion, I think they are real. I think they're very hard to do in a lot of places and, and how we truly empower product teams, um, to, you know, drive results, but we don't 
dictate what they're going to work on or how they should work on things or what they should build. There's a big chunk in the middle there that a lot of companies just haven't figured out. And so, you know, I don't think it's like a fashionable thing. I think it needs to be more embedded in product teams, but I think we have a long way to go. I know Marty Kagan is, is working on or getting ready to release his latest book, which is more about getting to the, to that state of a product operating model where product is really driving things. And I'm very curious <laughs> to read all of his recommendations because I've seen it succeed. I've seen it not succeed. And there's many ways that it can be done. But I think that's something that is continuing to grow and that we're continuing to learn how to adopt more successfully. In my experience, like small teams and small companies really struggle with getting good process in there. If you were kind of guiding them and saying, okay, like, here's the th- two or three things you absolutely positively have to do to, to have some discipline here, what guidance would you give? So strategy up front, making sure everyone's aligned on what you're trying to achieve, because if we don't have that, how can we ever know that we're working on the right things and spending all of our time and effort and money on the right initiative? So a cohesive product strategy, why we're doing what we're doing for whom we're doing it and, you know, what problem we're solving for that user group. Um, and then I think second to that is some sort of light intake and prioritization type of mechanism. So what criteria in this company for these objectives are we measuring new requests or new considerations with? If you shift gears every couple of weeks or you start things, don't finish them that's all waste, right? So you want to make sure you're working on the right things. You want to make sure you prioritize it in a way that makes sense for your business so that you're not constantly at risk of like switching and going in a completely different direction partway through a project. Um, and then I think quality, quality control, um, you know, just making sure that we're not only testing the quality of the code and the product itself, but is that actually doing what our users need it to do in the way that works for them? So someone might ask for something, you know, I need you to solve this problem in this way. But if you dig into the root of it, the problem actually could be solved in a much simpler way. So you don't just build necessarily what someone directly asks for, but you make sure that you're building it in a usable way that works for the business, works for the customer, and that you've kind of thought through that holistically. So I think the quality kind of applies both to the product itself and then how usable it is for your users. So I would say those three. There always are. There's always more things that we could start looking at. Are there there are a couple of handful of key metrics for success that you also look for that we could, because you talked about like quality, hard necessarily to measure, depending like what are those key performance indicators that you look for to measure success? So partially depends on what the product is. You know, an e-commerce site, for example, is going to have very different metrics and KPIs, you know, than uh, a SaaS, you know, a B2B SaaS product. So it you know, depends first what the product is and kind of what those levers are. Is it revenue? Is it order value? Is it conversion rate? You know, what are those things that you're trying to, to move? Um, so that's part of it. But I think also from a quality standpoint, you know, you want to look at site performance, speed, um, uptime, bug reports, uh, you know, customer service inquiries, site outages, like all the kinds of things that, you know, show you if the site itself or the product itself is working properly and people are understanding how to use it and there's not problems present in it. 
Um, and then there's more internal things like velocity, you know, how quickly does a dev team deliver so you can better estimate the work that's coming up and kind of get more accurate with how long that's going to take you to deliver things like that, that are internal performance metrics, but also really important to looking at how efficient or productive a product team is. So those are, those are some. Gotcha. Well, that gives us a couple of things to think about. So if people are looking to learn more, you know, where, where can you point them to, to get some more resources about using these principles? Um, well, like I said, Marty Kagan is, is wonderful. Um, he's got a number of books, podcasts, all the things. Uh, Lenny's podcast is also a great one and, uh, you know, tons of resources there. Um, you know, and there's a lot of expertise out there now that can be helpful for different companies in small ways. So you can get product expertise and put some of these things in place without having to hire a full-time head of product, for example. So depending on the stage of the company, if there's gaps, if they're not sure when to hire their first product person or what have you, there's also lots of fractional or advisory type of options like our company, the product consult just, you know, that can come in and kind of assess and give recommendations around what, what would be best and, you know, how to put some foundational things in place and all of that. So, yeah. You've given us a lot to work with. So Jessica, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a good talk. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's the free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash mspradio, or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of The Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.